0: Mm -hmm. it's a source of never ending head shaking to me that although the Bible and especially the Old Testament tells us continuously that God works wonders through the least expected ways in the darkest days we never look for it Naomi didn't expect it as she a widow and therefore a non-entity Made her way home from Moab to Bethlehem. Naomi is bitter. She tells her friends to call her Mara, which means bitter. Her journey has been sad and empty. Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons went to Moab when there was famine in Bethlehem. There the sons found wives but not prosperity because the Moabs did not willingly share their food with strangers. Elimelech, and both of the sons died. So Moab is seen as a place of of death and emptiness. In this context, Naomi would not expect loving faithfulness from her widowed daughter-in-law Ruth. Ruth is a widow and a convert to Judaism and would be a resident alien in Bethlehem. She is also now without money and without estate and could stay in Moab to remarry but she refuses to leave Naomi. Her love echoes in those most famously poetic promises. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Naomi is so incredulous she asks Ruth if she expects her to grow another son in her womb so that Ruth can marry him. But Ruth is undeterred. In the middle of this dark and desolate life like Naomi is leading, in which she has left her home because she is starving only to starve again in a foreign land and lose her husband and sons, God begins to work in a totally unexpected way through a stranger. A member of a society alien to the Jews. One expects loving kindness from one's own community, not from godless Gentiles. One expects help from one's community, not from the enemies of one's community. But God is mysterious. God's ways are clearly not our ways. Naomi responds to Ruth's fidelity by trying to find her a good second husband in Boaz, who is in Bethlehem for the funeral of his first wife boaz is so impressed with ruth's fidelity that he allows her to glean extra barley and barley gleaning is the only way that widows can feed themselves and he arranges to marry her but not before he makes sure that the law is fulfilled and the next of kin who has the right to her estate and to her as a bride turns it down the crowning glory comes when ruth bears obed whom Naomi nurses, and who, we are finally told, is the grandfather of David, the king of Israel, the forebear of Jesus. In this text, God has brought Naomi from empty desolation to full and joyful fruition through the kindness of the other, the alien stranger, the unlikely source of redemption. The widow, as a symbol of vulnerability and desolation, comes again in the Gospel when Jesus denounces the temple system, which is so corrupt that it bankrupts widows, and yet enriches priests and scribes under whose stewardship the poor, the alien, and the widow are supposed to be attended. The implication here, I think, is that this is the darkest hour in the world when the very temple of Yahweh is corrupt. It is the most unexpected place for God to work in the temple and through the life and death of this inauspicious carpenter son Jesus in the most broken, most desolate, most God forsaken places and times God uses the unexpected as the means of grace today we turn our attention toward those unbelievably brave people who have defended this country in peacetime and in war They are the people who must go to the awful, the agonizing, the God-forsaken horror of war. They are the people who must make impossible decisions about who lives and who does not. And they are often the people who must go when they don't agree with the command to go. They are the people whose lives are often taken or ruined while we are safe at home. We honor their faithful stewardship of our security. We remember their selfless self-giving, and we cherish the sacrifices they have made for us. We honor their families who have endured anxiety and grief and sometimes triumph. We are grateful to them for their gifts to our common needs, no matter how else we feel about foreign policy. These soldiers have given their lives, often with consequences more horrible than death, for us. They are the stewards of our sense of wholeness in the world, that sense of security which enables us to carry on every day. We can never really know how God works in the world. We can know that grace will come through us and to us, when we accept our capacities as stewards of our common life. I've been struck during the presidential campaign by the underlying themes of ownership and scarcity. We really do act as if we own the earth and the people in it. In our anxiety about how to stay in control of the world, we assume a sense of ownership and mastery. This idea is toxic, I think. It leads to the notion that one is one's own creator. That one is actually the architect and engineer of one's soul. Frequently, people come to me asking how to change themselves in ways no one could ever change. And when I ask them why they want that, it becomes clear to me that they have never understood that they have been given life. They have not earned it, and they have not deserved it, and they have not been undeserving of it either. It is a free and gracious gift, which must be stewarded. There is enormous freedom in our self-stewardship. Stewardship is as much an attitude as it is anything else. It's the belief that when we care for ourselves and each other as carefully and unstintingly as we can, God will bring our lives to joyful fruition. In every move toward control and exclusion we make, we lose another opportunity to find life. Redemption is not always what we imagine it to be. Mm -hmm. Naomi thought that Ruth was crazy when she wanted to stay with her. Mm -hmm. She no doubt thought that Ruth would just be another mouth to feed, not the means through which Naomi came back to life. Stewardship is the willingness to submit to God's use of us in whatever way we can. It is the belief that we don't need to understand our own value to be incredibly valuable to each other. It is the commitment to open ourselves to the wild and unexpected workings of the creator of the universe in the darkest and most deathly places. To all of you who have served this nation in the armed forces or who have family members currently serving or who have had family members who have not survived, we wish you peace and grace and we give you thanks.